God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So let me ask you that question. What does God sound like? <laughs> well, we know thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially the, the Bible is a, a collection of God conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that or that thought was actually just me thinking about I just had some bad pizza. Jesus said we'd recognize his voice and follow him. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Godconversations.com I grew up in a church that didn't believe God speaks to us today. As soon as the last pages of the Bible were written, God stopped speaking. That may sound crazy to you, but there was actually a good reason for it. People thought that if I claimed to hear God's voice speaking to me today, then that diminished the authority of the Bible. The Bible gave us everything we need, so why would we need to hear anything else? The result was that I never heard God speak to me personally, which meant my relationship with Him until the age of 21 was pretty dry and lifeless. But then I did hear God speak. I heard him speak prophetically, miraculously, and in ways that resembled how he spoke in the Bible. And I found myself asking a bunch of questions. How did my experience compare to the experience of the Bible writers? What authority did it have in my life? (laughs) And is it okay to say God told me? Because plenty of people say that God told them, but then it doesn't happen. How can we hear God's voice in a way that's consistent with what the Bible teaches us? Hi, and welcome to episode 31 of the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, speaker, and founder of this ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. Today's episode, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more for the thinkers. You see, recently, about a year ago, I started a doctorate of ministry, and my goal is to complete a program that's researching this very topic. And recently, a number of people have asked me about my doctorate. What is it about? What are you actually doing? And what are you looking at? Can you tell us more? So this podcast is a little bit about the theology of hearing God's voice and some of the questions that I have carried with me probably for the last 20 years, questions that have come out of my personal experience. It's an interesting topic in itself. See, if you look at the whole area of theology, there's lots of different streams of theology. You might study biblical theology or systematic theology or um, church history, different areas. My doctorate is in the area of practical theology, and it's looking at how our theology works in our experience. So what that looks like is I'm going to be looking at actually people's experiences. I remember when I first started looking at this topic and reading on it at Bible College back in my undergraduate degree, I'd look at books in the library. There are a number written on this kind of thing, this this ministry of hearing God's voice. But the interesting thing, that was a very sharp division. There were those who were the practitioners, people who actually heard God's voice and helped others to do that. A lot of books written on the prophetic ministry. And then there was another category of books, and that was written by the academics, by the the scholars. And these were the thinkers. And to be honest with you, it was very evident that they hadn't had as much experience as the practitioners had. But the practitioners didn't have the theology and the theologians didn't have the practice. So what I'm trying to do in my research is bring those things together. And I want to talk to you today a little bit about the questions that motivated this study, what we're trying to do as a goal, what we're trying to produce out of it 
and how it's going to benefit the church. You know, God spoke to me a couple of years ago and he said, spread your net wide, cast your net wide. And what he wants is people all over the world, Christians all over the world, no matter what denomination, what background they come from, what type of church they go to. Though He wants people to be hearing his voice, recognizing it and following it. And so this project, our belief as a team and our goal is to see it really speak into the academic world and to begin a bit of a dialogue at that level so then it can spread further, the net can go wider and people, more and more people can understand that this is for them. It's legitimate and this is what God has promised for every person who follows him today. So let's start. I want to start by telling you a bit of a story and it gives you some idea of what motivated this project. See, in 2003, I moved from Melbourne to Sydney. Some of you may have heard more of the details of that move. But the reason why I moved was because I'd heard from God telling me to move. He spoke clearly. He spoke in a number of ways on a number of different occasions over the course of two to three years. He used different people and he confirmed his word time and time again, such that I knew without a shadow of a doubt that it was God. Then I had to act on it. (laughs) That was the tough part. And I remember moving to Sydney. I remember packing up my car, saying goodbye to my friends and my family, packing up the flat and driving up to Sydney. And the next question was, God, is it going to happen? What you said, you know, you'd called me to this city. You've called me to this church. He'd said I would be involved at Hillsong College. He said I'd be the academic dean there. He'd spoken very specifically. And I remember um, going through those steps of faith and obedience and asking myself, well, God, can I trust what you've just spoken? Can I trust what you've said? Is it going to come to pass? And I remember looking at the Bible to get some encouragement, looking at the experiences of other people who'd done the journey of faith, other people who'd heard from God and followed it, looking at looking at Abraham and looking at the promises of from Paul and Peter and David and Moses. And I started to find comfort in that because the Bible said things like, God is not a man that he should lie. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? The Bible said things like through Isaiah, that the word of the Lord doesn't return void, that it produces what it was sent for. The Bible says that God is faithful and trustworthy and He watches over His Word to perform it. So in the midst of that journey of finding myself in a whole new city where I didn't know people, where there was no jobs being advertised, where everything was up in the air, I I said, God, you know, you've spoken. Now, how does this work? Can I trust what you've said? And of course, you may have heard the outcome of that. It was a good one that God was faithful to his word. But at the time, I remember thinking, well, what understanding about my experience can I draw from? There's a very well-known Baptist theologian called Wayne Grudem who published a work, I think it was in the 1990s, very well received and and a great piece of, of academic work called The Gift of Prophecy. His whole thesis was that the experience I have hearing God's voice today is valid. It's legitimate. It happens to us today. And we should expect God to speak to us in our everyday circumstances. But the main point was that what I experienced today is very different to what people experienced in Bible times. It's not on the same level. It's not the same quality. I don't have access to the same ability that people like um, Peter and Paul, um, the apostles, had. They had a, a special experience with the Holy Spirit that made 
what they heard authoritative and what I heard was not. He, he said that what I'd experienced was only God's thoughts brought to mind. It wasn't directive, it wasn't specific, it couldn't be clear and I couldn't trust it and I probably shouldn't act on it. And that, that presented a problem for me. It, it was difficult. It didn't make sense to me because I thought to myself, God, if, if it is you and you have spoken, then surely the authority that comes with it comes from the speaker. It comes from God himself, the one who spoke the word and doesn't lie. So if God really did spoke to, speak to me, then surely I would be able to trust it and surely it would contain power to bring a miracle. So how do I know? How do I actually pragmatically respond to this? It's an issue of authority. And it's one, to be honest, that's been a core of this debate in theological circles. And the concern is that if I claim to such an experience, then I'm then competing with the Bible writers. I'm putting it on a par with Scripture. This was the problem. This was the question. There's another way of addressing this issue. You may have heard about the idea of a rhema and a logos, translated, both translated in the English to mean word. And, and as in the Greek, as in any languages, there's often a number of different ways of saying the same thing. You think about the word love. There's four different ways in the Greek of saying love, but only one in the English. And there's different slight understandings about what that word actually means. But in this schema, in this way of thinking, people say that um, when the Greek word is used for word is logos, this is a different scenario to the Greek word for rhema. The logos is seen to refer to the written word and the rhema is seen to refer to the spoken word. And each um, each word, each incident had, had kind of a different set of rules applying to it. When it was logos, meaning the written word, well, then it was authoritative. And then it was always going to come to pass. It was always God, no doubt about it. It was tested and it was guaranteed. But when it was rhema, when it was spoken for a specific situation, well, that had a different set of rules attached to it. It wasn't quite the same authority. And again, what we see is two levels of understanding, two different experiences, two different ways of applying what God is saying to our lives. And again, this becomes very important when we put it pragmatic into a, a specific contemporary context because it becomes, well, what does that mean for how I respond to it? Then there are other teachers who believe in God speaking but again, there's qualifiers about that very popular contemporary pastor that many of you will know have released books on this very topic. And in fact, they say things like, when God speaks, it's much better to hear him in the non-supernatural methods, like when we hear God's voice through Bible teaching, through devotionals, through the wisdom of counsellors, common sense circumstances, this you can trust. But those supernatural stuff, those dreams and visions and prophecies, well, they're a little bit more dicey and uh, you should not trust those. Well, that, that was problematic again to me because when I read Acts 2.17, that, that key moment when the Spirit came, it, it's those supernatural things that are actually the cornerstone of God speaking. It was the way he spoke in the Old Testament. It's the way he spoke in the New Testament. So if he speaks to me that, to me that way today, then, then how is that uh, unreliable? 
how is that a problem? Now, obviously, there's testing that needs to be done around that area. But these are some of the questions that um, that came up. And if you think about it, it could all whittle down to one issue. And it's this. How does the written word, the scriptures, the Bible, fit with the spoken word by the Holy Spirit? When I was being interviewed on radio a number of years ago, a man called Dave asked this very question on air. And I want to play with you that a little bit of that conversation because I think it, it really encapsulates the key issue around this area. Here's how the conversation went. Uh, let's go to the phone. So who have we got there? Yeah, good day. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Who's this? Dave. Dave here from Alice Springs. <laughs> mate, have you got a question for Tanya? I do indeed. Yeah, Tanya, uh, just a, it's a really interesting one because a lot of Christians, depending on their background, uh, either focus, emphasise the word or they emphasise the spirit, you know, the spoken voice of God today. And then others talk about balance, as in, you know, balancing the spirit against the word. And uh, it's just an interesting topic. I, I wouldn't mind hearing your thoughts on, you know, what, what can you balance God with? And, and is balance the right term? You know, but how do you how do you walk that line between what God would say now into your heart and, and what he says in his book? Great question, Dave. Um, I think the thing that maybe not balance, consistency, I think, is more the word. So understanding that the God who authored the written word is the same God that speaks to us today. So essentially, the Bible is a collection of God conversations, if you like. We have the advantage of almost reading into the journals of other people's conversations. You know, God's conversation with Abraham and God's conversation with Moses and with Paul and what sort of things that he did he say? And so when I look at my conversations with God in the 21st century, I ask myself, does that sound like the God of the Bible? Does it sound, is it consistent? And, and ultimately, Jesus came as the Word, the living Word of God become flesh. So I, I look at what he says to me today and I say, well, is that consistent with who Jesus is, who, who the God of the Bible is? And if there's anything in my personal conversations I perceive to be at least that is contradictory to that, then there's something amiss there. You know, God's not going to tell me to rob a bank or um, yeah. to do something against his written word. Although that's a fairly common, that's a fairly common thing that people sort of put out there that God told me to do it as well. Correct. And I often ask myself, should we, should we say that phrase? Some people say, don't say it because people use that, um, as a bit of a manipulation tool. You know, God told me that you should do this. Yeah. And I always say, be careful to use those words because you don't want to put words into the mouth of God. So yeah, you need to true. test what God says, test it against scripture tested against the local church community you know I, I think being a part of a church we are at a significant advantage to some of the old testament characters who heard god in isolation today everyone who who follows jesus has the spirit so can also hear from god so i have the advantage of of testing it with god's voice in the voice of my local church community yeah. or other people who also know god big advantage let's talk about for a moment why this matters See, this is a really big issue in the church today, and it's such a big issue that it stops people hearing God's voice. It's one of the reasons why the church I grew up in taught me that God actually stopped talking way back in the early years of the church. The issue of the authority of the Bible. The theological position that I grew up with is called cessationism, 
And it basically is the idea that God's Spirit stopped working differently the moment the Scriptures were completed, that our own source of inspiration from God or teaching directly from God should come through the pages of what God has already said. There's certain proponents in the US that have taught this, still teach this today. John MacArthur is a good example, and he argues very strongly about God speaking today. And obviously within that package, there's also the argument about miracles and the gifts of the Spirit. So so there's a theological issue, and I really wanted to address this in my research. And my main question related to, well, how does this theology, you know, outwork itself in practice? I have a very strong conviction that God's thoughts, that that the study of God, it's got to actually work. It's got to be applicable to life, that God is not confusing, (laughs) that um, it's not about having an intellectual set of beliefs, that this actually has to work in my life. So, So that's the theological issue I wanted to look at in my research. And the other part of the coin, the other, the other side of it was the pastoral issue. See, when you've been around church long enough, and particularly if you were to come with me on my ministry, you would talk to people and you start to hear the good stories, the spectacular ones, the exciting ones, the, the, you know, the life transforming ones. And then you, then after a while, you know, in, in moments of honesty, you start to hear the, the not so great ones, the experiences that caused people great personal damage the experiences that split a church, the experiences that led to grave deception. And I've I've heard enough of them to know that this is a real issue. So in my doctorate, I wanted to look at, well, how do we facilitate this? How do we manage this? We we believe that God speaks, but how is it that we can do it in a way that's safe? How is it that we can do it in a way that actually helps the kingdom to grow and that allows us to be discipled in a way that brings us closer to God? So that's the foundation. That's the questions. I wonder if you've ever asked yourself those questions as well. They're the questions that come from our experiences, the question that comes as we start to hear God's voice and then work out what that looks like in our lives. Have you ever had a dream that's left you wondering, where did that come from? The vivid scenes you woke up with linger a bit longer than normal. They touch your spirit and they seem relevant, though you're not quite sure how. We know that God speaks, but what we don't often know is that one of His most common methods of speaking is in dreams. I speak in a dream or a vision of the night, He says in the book of Numbers. The problem is, we don't always recognise it. We don't know if it's God, and because dreams often speak a symbolic language, we don't always know what it means. The Awaken Your Dreams CD pack is designed to give you a comprehensive teaching on this creative form of God's communication. Delivered as a seminar in countries all over the world, the three-part series will take you through the biblical basis for God speaking in this way. It will give you an easy-to-use framework for understanding your dreams and how to interpret the symbols in them. You can purchase it online at thegodconversations.com store. The promise of Acts chapter 2, verse 17 is that by His Spirit, all God's people will be able to hear His voice through visions and dreams. God may be speaking to you in the night, and it's time to be awake to the messages He's sending. I want to talk about, in the second part of this podcast, a couple of thoughts, I guess, that I've arrived at, and ones I want to test a little bit as I research this area. The first thought is this. I want to emphasize the idea of consistency. You know, it was interesting listening to the man on the radio, and I said to him that balance between the spirit and the word may not be the right word to use. 
It's not like we have one at the expense of the other and we have to balance those things out. And there's two reasons for that. There's the idea of consistency because God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And the other reason is that humanity is the same, still flawed and still finding it difficult to hear. Let's have a look at those two thoughts. The idea of consistency of who God is and who we are. So the first one, God is consistently faithful and God is consistently an authoritative speaker. He's the same person to me as he was to King David, as he was to Moses, as he was to the Old Testament prophets, as he was to the 12 apostles. His character is the same. He's full of love and mercy. Redemption is at his core. So when we argue about which one is more important or which one is the priority, the written word or the spoken word, the word of God written in the scriptures or the spirit of God spoken to me today, it, it, it doesn't really make sense. It's an arbitrary distinction because the word is coming from the same person. The same person is speaking through the Old Testament prophets, throughout the New Testament and speaking to me today. And his word is based on his character. You've heard that phrase, a person is only as good as their word. What a person says is linked directly to who they are. And this applies to God more than anyone because he is consistent and his words are intrinsically connected to his character and identity. A couple of scriptures for you. Isaiah 45, 23, he says this, By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that cannot be revoked. A word that cannot be revoked. He's utterly faithful and true when he speaks. Numbers 23, 19, the scripture I mentioned before, that God is not a man, that he lies. He doesn't speak and then not act. He doesn't promise and not fulfill. We see God's word then spoken to the prophets and then we see his word personified in Jesus, the one who came as the word in the flesh. John 1 talks about that. God's word in the flesh, he dwelt among us. We heard him and we saw him. Jesus is the perfect word of God. Everything he said and everything he did was God's word to his people. His provision of the bread and loaves is God's word. His sacrifice on the cross is God's word. His compassion for the leper is God's word. Not just the things he taught, the Sermon on the Mount, but in the things that he did in his actions. The word become flesh. It's the same word that was spoken to the prophets in the Old Testament. Then Jesus sends us his spirit. And the spirit is the spirit of Jesus. Revelation 19.10 says it's the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. The same spirit speaking to me. It's the same person. It's the same word. So there's got to be consistency across history. So it's not about whether the word was spoken or whether it's written. It's about whether this word is from God. We need to remember that before the word was written, it was spoken. The power and authority comes from the word himself, not in how it's delivered or transmitted or written down. John Walton and Brent Sandy, Old New Testament scholars, 
demonstrate this in a recent work called The Lost World of Scripture. And they remind us that the time of the Bible was a time of oral tradition. It was oral culture. Very few people could read, uh, only the elite in society. And that the power of the word was the power of the spoken word. And you see this in the early church. We have the letters written, but they're not necessarily accessible to everyone because they couldn't read. In fact, church services in those days were much more listening than reading. People would would read out those letters to people. People would read out from the scroll, but they didn't all have access to it. And so the stories in the gospel of Jesus got passed along through conversation, through oral tradition. Now, that doesn't make it unreliable. These are oral cultures. And in fact, um, this particular piece of research says that the spoken word was actually more trusted than the written word. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? It's hard for us to believe that because we are in a text-based culture. So if I'm having a promise with you or a deal with you or I'm making a contract, it has to be signed. You, you can't have a, something that was held up in a court of law without it signed. You can't stand up and say, oh, but they promised me. We had a conversation and they said that's what they'd do. And they would ask, well, where's the, where's the sign? Where's the document? We don't trust the spoken word. Well, in the ancient world, the opposite was true. People didn't trust the written word. And part of the reason was because they couldn't read the expression and the, and the tone that went with it. It's just a different culture today. But the issue again is, is the word that was spoken, recognizing where it came from, regardless of whether it was written down. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He's always been a talking God. He's a communicative God. He's a relational God. And just as he wanted to have relationship with the Old Testament characters, he wanted to have relationship with the New Testament characters. He wants to have relationship with us today. And he does that through speaking to his people. That's consistent across history. God hasn't changed. Well, there's another area of consistency as well. And it's this one. Humanity as flawed listeners. Not only is the character of God and his word consistent, but humanity is consistently flawed in how we hear. We're sinful. We can get it wrong. The book of James tells us that Elijah was a man just like us. This has been the problem of human history. We're all sinful. We're all flawed. We can all get it wrong. We all have a problem hearing God's voice because of our own sin and our own selfishness and our own agendas. That's why God put testing mechanisms in place, even in the Old Testament, even with his specialized prophets who were very good at hearing God's voice. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 21, he understood that this was what needed to be tested. There was a discernment process needed. God says, you may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken? Spoken by the Lord. In the Bible, we see that there were times when it was clear and times when it wasn't. So we have Gideon asking, Is this the voice of God? Is this you, God, telling me to go and fight against the Midianites? Is this you? You know, can you give me a sign? Because I'm not sure and my life is at stake. Is this you? We have Jeremiah who's told by God to go and buy a field in a city that's just about to be taken over by the Babylonians. He's like, God, I'm not sure about this. God, is this you? 
We have the people of God all struggling. Now, we don't get a lot of stories about that because the Bible is much more concerned about when they did hear clearly and what they did afterwards. But we see that sometimes there was an issue. You see this in the New Testament as well with the Apostle Paul. He's receiving prophetic words about whether he should go to Rome or not. And he feels like he's heard from God. But God's also said there's going to be trouble there. And then there's Agabus, the prophet that comes into town and, and says, you're going to be taken prisoner. And then there's others who join in on that conversation, also hearing from God. And there's this, well, does he go or does he not go? They're all trying to discern God's word. They're all trying to deal with this problem of how do I hear God's voice clearly? And obviously we get better at it. There's different levels that we see. We see this in the Old Testament. Moses was called a friend of God because he spoke to him face to face. I speak to him clearly, God says. Others, not so much. So there's this situation where people need to learn and grow in their recognition of hearing God's voice. Charles Craft talks a little bit about this in his book, Christianity and Culture, and he says the Bible is like a collection of case studies, a book of people's journals, if you like. And what we see here is that each person is hearing from God in their situation, and we can see from their stories if it was God, but we can also use those stories to test our own. It's interesting that the process of bringing scriptures together went through a testing process. It took a little while. It wasn't until the fourth century in the Council of Nicaea where the church elders came together and, and formally recognized it. But that process was happening over the first 300 years. There was this sorting out between what was of God and what wasn't. Now, is this authoritative and is this not? Because there's plenty of other documents flying around that had this idea that they could be from God. And, and the church was very concerned. Is this inspired? Is this of God? And what we get when the scriptures came together is we get a testing process that's been completed. It's a process that said, we believe this is from God. And it's the same sort of process we go through ourselves when we experience God's voice. But it wasn't always easy. You know, I look about the history of the book of Revelation. It's such an interesting book. But in the early days, that was well received in the church. But then throughout history, we see this, these discussions and debates is it of God? Is it not of God? The Song of Songs was another one as well that kind of went in and out of the canon. Even up until the time of Reformation, Martin Luther was arguing that the book of James shouldn't be in. He didn't think the book of Revelation should be in either. But the church leaders of the day were asking the same questions that we're asking. Is this story inspired? Is it of God and can we trust it? And the test of time and the test of the community of God coming together, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and us saying, this is the voice of God. This is clearly from God. And the scriptures we talk about as the word of God, don't we? They become our foundation for the story of God. And in them, we've got a gospel of who God is, the foundation for all our understanding about salvation, about eternity, and about what God's intentions are for us. The scriptures form the foundation. They give us the parameters, the boundaries about hearing God's voice so that what I hear today is consistent with what's already been said. The foundation has been laid. There's no more to add. But what we are doing today is we're building on that foundation. We're understanding that God is 
still at work building the church, building his kingdom in the same ways that he always has, that he's speaking to his people just as he had before, but it's going to be consistent with what he's already said. When I hear from God today, my foundation is the Bible. My foundation is the gospel. It's the word of God spoken consistent throughout time. So my last thought, there is consistency, but there have been a couple of changes. And I just want to finish with these two thoughts because, again, they're very important. What has changed since then? If God, the speaker, is consistent, if humanity as flawed, sinful people trying to discern his voice is consistent, what has changed? Two things I want to point out. The primary thing that has changed is the number of people God is speaking to. See, once It was only for a select few. The professionals, if you like, the prophets, particularly chosen and trained to hear the voice of God, and frequently they operated in isolation. You know, the image of the Old Testament prophet is the lone voice crying out in the desert. That has changed. Now it's no longer a lone voice crying out in the desert. In fact, the lone voice crying out in the desert, claiming to have heard from God, I don't think so not to be trusted. Why? Because the Spirit is now poured out on all people, sons and daughters, young and old. All can prophesy. All can have visions and dreams. Visions and dreams were the main medium that God spoke to his people in the Old Testament. Then they would prophesy it. This is talking about hearing from God. Now everyone has access And it's better than it was before. 2 Corinthians 3 talks about this. It's better because now it's not in isolation. Now we've got safety in numbers. Now all of God's church is hearing from God. And now you've got the capacity to recognize God's voice in ways that we could never do that in the Old Testament. In fact, some of the tests of the Old Testament were very difficult to apply because you didn't have everyone hearing from God or the capacity for everyone hearing from God. It's much safer today because God speaks to more than one person. Two people will be hearing the same thing. God works confirming his word through his church. That's what's changed. The second thing that's changed is what he's saying. (laughs) He's not saying the same things to me as he said to Daniel or to Joshua or to the Apostle Paul. The situation has changed. My life is different. God is doing different things in my life, even though they may have the same theme. I have a different sphere. I'm not heralding Jesus' coming. I'm not in the court of a foreign king. I'm not leading a nation into an unknown land. I'm not bringing foundational truths of the gospel to the world. God is talking about different things to me. He's talking about my future. He's talking about my ministry, God conversations. He's talking about my home in Sydney. He's talking about the hopes and the desires and the dreams of the future. And he's talking about things that are consistent with his character, consistent with his nature, consistent with the gospel and what he's already said. So the underlying message is going to be the same, but the specifics of that are going to be different. God's still speaking to build his kingdom. He's still speaking to bring the good news of love, joy, and peace. He's still speaking to bring redemption to the earth. But he's applying that to my life specifically. I hope that gives you some idea of some of the theological issues surrounding 
this topic. You know, my goal at the end of the day is to help more people hear God's voice. It's not just to get an academic qualification. <laughs> it's to help people on the ground to really experience this in their lives. If you're interested in this topic and you want to hear a little bit more, I made a presentation at an academic conference, a Harvest Bible College conference last year. I'm going to make that available, that video of that available on this particular episode of the show notes. You can have a look at the website, godconversations.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero three one. And you can have a look a little bit more at some of the issues involved. But um, I hope you've enjoyed today. I hope you've enjoyed having a look at some of the issues. I wonder if you've asked those same questions. I'd love to hear your thoughts. We have a comment section of the website on the podcast page. I'd love to hear what questions you have and what experience yours has been, and perhaps in the areas where you maybe disagree. You know, part of this academic process in the world of academia, it's a real discussion that takes place. We test ideas. We talk about it with people. It's the church coming together and testing what God is doing amongst us. So I encourage you to get up there and um, pop some comments there or, or some questions, and we'd love to address those at some stage. Other than that, I'm praying that this week you're going to be able to hear God's voice clearly, you're going to be able to know it, and you're going to be able to follow it, knowing that God's character is good, that what He says is good for you, and that He is always, always faithful. Thanks for listening today and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast by Tanya Harris. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. So post your comments on the blog page of godconversations.com or at facebook.com forward slash Tanya M. Harris. Help us to equip others to recognize God's voice by rating the series on iTunes. Remember, Jesus said we would know his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.